Do you think that Ukraine and Russia and the United States and NATO countries, which is most of Europe, are going to start World War III? What does the Bible have to say about it? I personally don't think it says much about it at all. Well, this is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. So let's begin with verse 1, chapter 24 of Isaiah. Look, the Lord is about to destroy the earth and make it a vast wasteland. He devastates the earth, the surface of the earth, and scatters the people. Now, we read this last week as well, so I'm going to skip down to verse 5. The earth suffers for the sins of its people, for they have twisted God's instructions, violated his laws, and broken his everlasting covenant. Therefore, the a curse consumes the earth. Its people must pay the price for their sin. They are destroyed by fire, and only a few are left. And this happens to match pretty close to Matthew 24. So in verse 21, we read this. For there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began. Sounds like world war to me. And it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive. And by the way, I'm reading from the NLT, the New Living Translation. But to continue in verse 22, but... It will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Verse 23. Then if anyone tells you, look, here is the Messiah, or there he is, don't believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. So there's deception after the time is cut short. But no, not really, because if you go down to verse 25, he says this, See, I've warned you about this ahead of time. So it's actually kind of uh, putting it where it really belongs. He's shortening the days, yes, but he's also warning of false messiahs and false prophets, which is the same thing we read in verse 11. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. How do they deceive him? Well, they deceive by saying that the rapture is coming when it won't come when they say it will, you know, everybody wants to be rescued. Everyone wants to avoid the tribulation. But there are at least three types of tribulation, personal, worldwide, and in God's wrath. So which one do you want? I don't want any of them. We want to be raptured before we get spanked. 
so to speak, before we get hurt, before we get killed. But listen to verse 9. Then you, and he's talking to his disciples, which you and I are his disciples, then you will be arrested, persecuted, and killed. You will be hated all over the world because you are my followers, and many will turn away from me and betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. You know, you can deceive people by saying that Jesus is the Christ. And how's that? Yeah. But they don't do, follow, or teach what Jesus himself said and did. So how can that be a true Christian or a true pastor or a true uh, teacher of the, of the word of God. We have to stick with the words and the order. You can compare the order of events in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21, and Jesus never failed to get the order correct. Neither did the, the writers the one who pinned these things down from the lips of Jesus or from the Apostle Paul in Luke's case. The point is, how is it possible that we get it out of order when all three of the Gospels that mention these events got it right, got it exactly in order? You ever think of that? Well, probably you have. But many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Sin will be rampant everywhere, and the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. So that's what we must do. We must endure either to the end of our lives or the end of the world as we know it. And the good news of the kingdom, about the kingdom, will be preached throughout the whole world so that all nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Verse 15, Matthew 24. The day is coming when you will see what Daniel the prophet spoke about, the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing in the holy place. You see, we have been so deceived, so duped by the media these days that we think it's about to happen and World War III is coming soon to a theater near you and we're all going to be in trouble. Well, will it lead to that tomorrow? No. How about next year? Probably not. I say personally, and this is just me, that there's a lot of things that have to happen before the return of Christ. We're going to go back to Isaiah to read more about it. But let me just continue for a little bit here. Then those who are in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down to pack 
anything. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and nursing mothers in those days. I was a part of a church group that actually believed we shouldn't have any more babies right now because it's too close to the return of Christ. Well, that was 20 years ago or more. Well, so we have a ways to go, seems to me. How terrible it will be for them at that time, in other words. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter or on the Sabbath, for there will be greater anguish than at any time since the world began, and it will never be so great again. In fact, unless that time of calamity is shortened, not a single person will survive, as we read earlier. But it will be shortened for the sake of God's chosen ones. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah over there, don't believe it. False messiahs and false prophets will rise up and perform great signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. I've warned you about this ahead of time. So if anyone tells you, look, the Messiah is out in the desert, don't go and look. And then verse 27, For the, as the lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, so it will be when the Son of Man comes. Just as the gathering of vultures shows that there is a carcass nearby, so these signs indicate the end is near. And then verse 29, a very famous verse, but it's not the rapture verse. That doesn't come till verse 31. Immediately, this is verse 29, Matthew 24, immediately after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will give no light. The stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then, at last, the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens. Now, we just saw that that will be like lightning. Well, why? Why would it come like that? Let's say it happens at noonday. How is it possible that it'll look like lightning, a bright flash against a dark sky, for example? Well, I can illustrate that for you, and I will in a, in a little bit. Then at last the sign that the Son of Man is coming will appear in the heavens, and there will be deep mourning among the peoples of the earth, and they will see the Son of of man coming on the clouds with uh, of heaven with power and great glory. And then verse 31, And he will send out his angels with the mighty blast of a trumpet, and they will gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of heaven and earth. Unquote. And we'll stop right there for the time being. So I think it behooves us to figure out, if possible, 
from the pages of the Bible why the sun would be darkened. So let's go back to Isaiah. At this time, let's go to chapter 13 and verse 10. Well, let's start in verse 9. For see, the day of the Lord is coming, uh, the terrible day of his fury and fierce anger. This is the wrath of God. And this is after World War III, by the way, in my opinion. The land will be made desolate and all the sinners destroyed with it. The heavens will be black above them and the stars will give no light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will provide no light. I, the Lord, will punish the world for its evil, and the wicked for their sin. I will crush the arrogance of the proud, and humble the pride of the mighty. I will make people scarcer than gold." more rare than the fine gold of Ophir, rarer, that is, than the most precious. For I will shake the heavens, and the earth will move from its place when the Lord of heaven's armies displays his wrath in the day of his fierce anger, unquote. In verse 17, we read more. This is chapter 13 still of Isaiah. Look, I will stir up the Medes, that's Iran, against Babylon, and that's Saudi Arabia, and the rest of Saudi Arabian countries like Yemen, Oman, the UAR, Qatar, etc. They cannot be tempted by silver or bribed with gold, the attacking armies will shoot down the young men with arrows, and they will have no mercy on helpless babies, etc. But listen to verse 20. Babylon will never be inhabited again. Now, that's Saudi Arabia and Iran, that whole area that was ruled by King Nebuchadnezzar. This was written 700 years before the first advent of Jesus Christ. Babylon will remain empty from generation to generation. Nomads will refuse to camp there. Now, why? Why is that? Well, in verse 22, Babylon's days are numbered. It is time. The time of destruction will arrive soon. And then chapter 14. But the Lord will have mercy on the descendants of Jacob. He will choose Israel as a special possession once again. He will bring them back to settle once again in their own land. And people from many different nations will come and join them there and unite with the people of Israel. The nations of the world will help the Lord's people to return. Have you ever sent money to Israel? I have. And uh, I care about the people there, though they are sinners, and they're still sinning against you, God, that is. 
and those who um, come to live in their land will serve them. Israel will rule over its enemies. That's verse 2, Isaiah 14. Verse 7 says, But finally the earth is at rest and quiet. Now it can sing again. This sounds like it's turning the tide from bad to good. Now in verse uh, 12 through verse, uh, I'm going to say, 23, you will read about the fate of Satan the devil. And I strongly suggest that you read that. It's akin to Ezekiel 28. And starting in verse 19, I believe it is, to the end of the chapter, it also talks about Satan's fate, and Satan actually will die. He's not going to be around to be in hell and poke people with his trident. No, he is going to be dead. So let me just read that real quick to you, and then we'll go back. Actually, you'll have to start in verse um, verse 11. And then it goes, and ta- it's talking about the king of Tyre, which is um, what represents Satan, the devil. You were the perfect model, full of wisdom and exquisite in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God, and so on. And dropping way down to verse 18, you defiled your sanctuaries with your many sins and dishonest trades. So I brought fire out from within you and it consumed you. I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All who knew you were appalled at your fate and you've come to a terrible end and you will exist no more. Did you know that was in the Bible? It's also the same in Isaiah 14. So you can read that. And I strongly urge you to do that. But get what he says here in verse 26. I have a plan for the whole earth, a hand of judgment upon all the nations. The Lord of heaven's armies has spoken And who's going to change his plans? Nobody. When his hand is raised, who can stop him? Well, that'd be nobody. But in verse 6 of of Isaiah 24, we continue, Therefore a curse consumes the earth. Its people must pay the price for their own sin. They are destroyed by fire, and only a few are left. Throughout the earth, verse 13, the story is the same. Only a remnant is left. There's a few stragglers who do not get killed in World War III. It doesn't say that in here, but that's what it's talking about. But all who are left alive shout for joy, and they sing. For those in the West will praise the Lord's majesty, In the eastern lands, give glory to the Lord. In the lands beyond the sea, that would be the United States, praise the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. 
In verse 19, we read, The earth is broken up. It is utterly collapsed. It is violently shaken. Can you imagine if the whole earth was shaken so violently that all the buildings came crashing down on earth? That would be the end of most people right there. The earth staggers like a drunk. And we're not talking about just a little tremor. We're talking about days, maybe even months of shaking. There's, there's just nobody that's going to live through that. Hardly. In that day, the Lord will punish the little g-gods of the heavens and the proud rulers of the nations of the earth. They will be rounded up and put in prison and be shut up in prison and will finally be punished. The glory of the moon will wane. The brightness of the sun will fade. For the Lord of heaven's armies will rule on Mount Zion and he will rule in great glory in Jerusalem in the sight of all the leaders of his people. And that's the end of the whole chapter of verse or chapter 24 of Isaiah. But see, it's not about Ukraine. It's not about Russia. There's no mention of any of that in here. Many teachers say that Meshach is really Moscow, and Rosh is proof. It's, it's Russia. Well, that's not really true. Meshach is a city in northeastern Turkey. And Rosh is merely a word for head. It's Aramaic, I believe, for head. It's not Russia. It has nothing to do with Russia. Because Russia, at the time of this writing in Ezekiel 38, did not even exist. But they send us over here as a reference and it talks quite a bit about this mighty shaking right here in the book of Ezekiel 38. In verse 20, it says, All living things, the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the animals of the field, the small animals that scurry along the ground, and all the people of the earth will quake in terror at my presence. Mountains will be thrown down. Cliffs will crumble Walls will fall to the earth. I will summon the sword against you on all the hills of Israel, says the Sovereign Lord. Your men will turn their swords against each other, and I will punish you. And this is talking of Gog, by the way. Um, I will punish you and your armies with bloodshed and disease. I will send a torrential rain, hailstones and fire and burning sulfur, in this way, I will show my greatness and holiness, and I will make myself known to all the nations of the world. You see, this is at a, a different time. Let's go over to Revelation 9. We all have been so focused lately on Ukraine, the refugees that are fleeing, that were Israelis. They're now fleeing into Israel, and Israel is accepting them. And you can actually go online and send money to the refugee camps for their shelter and food costs. It's easy to find on the internet. Just Google it. In Revelation 18, you can read about the fall of Babylon, 
just like we were reading earlier, but it's very much a parallel of what we find in Ezekiel 38 and other places in Ezekiel and also in Jeremiah and Isaiah. For example, in verse 8 he says, Therefore these plagues will overtake her in a single day, speaking of the destruction of Babylon, death and mourning and famine, she will be completely consumed by fire, for the Lord who judges her is mighty, and the kings of the world who committed adultery with her and enjoyed her great luxury will mourn over her as they see the smoke rising from her charred remains. Now today I heard a, uh, a prophecy teacher actually say that this was all allegorical. There's way too much evidence to show that this is real smoke, real fire, and real charred remains and leaving nothing but ash. In verse 18, they cry out as they watch the smoke ascend and they will say, Where is there another city as great as this? And they will throw dust on their heads and weep to show their grief. In chapter 19 and verse 20, we read, and this is Revelation, The beast was captured, and with him the false prophet, who did mighty miracles on behalf of the beast, miracles that deceived all who had accepted the mark of the beast and who worshipped his statue. Both the beast and his false prophet were thrown alive into the fiery lake of burning sulfur. Their entire army was killed by the sharp sword that came from the mouth of the one riding the white horse. That would be Jesus. And the vultures all gorged themselves on the dead bodies. And in chapter 20, verse 10, we read much the same thing. The devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur joining the beast and the false prophet, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. Well, the devil is going to die. He's not going to be tortured. He's going to be tormented. Now, this word can also mean everlasting contempt, as you see in Daniel 12, verse 2, and Ezekiel 28, uh, verses 11 through 19. Also, Jeremiah 23, 40. It's ridicule, it's contempt, it's infamy. It's reputation is what's, uh, what's going on here. This will never be forgotten. But a lot of people say, no, 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 that, that means an eternal hellfire is going to burn the beast, the false prophet, and the devil. It doesn't say that. In fact, if you drop down to 14, then death and the grave were thrown into the lake of fire. This lake of fire is the second death. It's not eternal life in the flames. No, it's the death of the beast, the false prophet, and the devil. Period. There's so much to this, and I want to explain more to you, but I'll, it'll have to be reserved for the next podcast. And I'll try to keep on that thing. But the point is, let's not get so distracted by Ukraine and what's going on there 
and all the shortages in the United States and the high prices of gasoline, let's not get sidetracked by all that hassle and trouble. So as we forget what's happening in the Middle East, that's the point. So we'll get into that more next time, but thanks for tuning in today. I'm Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. You can get more information from my website, itellwhy.com. That's the letter I, the word tell, T-E-L-L, and Y, W-H-Y, Dot com. So until next time, concentrate on what's really important, the Middle East, and we'll talk to you again soon.